It is 10 past 10. It is Monday and it is time for movies, movies, movies. I've got Jack and Andre in the studio with me. The fabulous intro. <laughs> <laughs> Lordy, Lordy. Okay, what that's a start. I've done that live. What a start. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look. Hello. <laughs> we're feeling it out. We're feeling it out. Jack, Andre, you are our movie overlords. You come in every Monday and you kind of give us a bit of news of what's happening in the world of film. You give us a couple of reviews and you also stick to a local scene as well. Tell us what's going on around Sydney. A little bit later on, we're going to be talking Mardi Gras Film Festival. Mm -hmm. But there is so much that's been going on in the world of cinema, particularly after the fallout and, you know, consequent drama of the whole Weinstein case. Mm -hmm. What's in news this week? Okay, well, here is, like, the final chapter, I would like to say. Oh, my God, there's never going to be a final chapter. You're right, in, like, the sinking Titanic ship that is the Harvey Weinstein Company. Basically, the Weinstein Company had the opportunity to be run by a woman, to be taken over by a group of ladies who were going to buy out the company, spend all this money trying to reform it, rescue it, basically. And just a couple of days ago, that deal was put to rest. So Maria Contreras-Sweet was this Hollywood outsider who sort of came in and said, hey, guys, I'm going to create this team. We're going to spend five hundred million dollars salvaging the Weinstein company. And her like her past job was she was in charge of small business for Obama. Yeah. So she comes in with uh, an Obama background and just says we're going to take this company and bring it back to life. And she was one of the biggest contenders for the for the buyout yeah. and just a couple of days ago she pulled out her pitch because she was told that they had to install a monitor watchdog in the team totally behind her back and not give her some of the... some of the Yeah, it's the, like this um, whole thing as well. Like, people are saying that it's like his right-hand man, like, puppeteering, and from behind the scenes, Weinstein's right-hand man. And, like, just this morning, I was Googling the news about this, like, puppeteer, mm. and I don't know if I'm reading into this, but my whole phone glitched and became this, like, snap and win on the MacBook. And mm. then every time I tried to Google Weinstein, I've got photos of it, it would just go to this virus, and I, like, couldn't approach any pages. Mm. Which is like, maybe I'm reading into it, but also like <laughs> Massad agents did follow Rose McGowan around for like 20 years oh and God. totally gaslight her, so. No, you're totally right. I think everyone should be wondering who's like monitoring and like spying on poor old Maria. I feel like the only people we can trust right now are women who have been labelled crazy, like Courtney Love and Rose McGowan. Like literally mm -hmm. everyone else is a liar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what's kind of been the overall reaction to this one maybe on socials and whatnot? Is anyone else having the same you know, conspiracy. Well, I mean, <laughs> she, so she only she only just really recently pulled out of the bid, and um, I think the general attitude is that of disappointment that yeah. there was going to be this fantastic feminist overtake of the company. And but I mean, on the bright side, though, sort of at the same time as this happening, the Times Up GoFundMe campaign has just reached the twenty million dollar mark, wow. thanks to over two twenty thousand donors, actually. So while that's happening on the Harvey Weinstein end, all this money is being raised that's going towards reforming the industry and supporting victims of abuse and total patriarchal power. Total. And at the same time, like, there's so much, like, female-orientated content coming out. Like, mm. Lana Del Rey has just started writing a musical. Oh, to get me started, I'm so excited for that. 
It's a supposed to be a Broadway musical, but if you're a diehard Lana fan like I am, you will know that her second choice career is screenwriting. So maybe she's going to write a feature film musical. Who knows? And I just also feel like there's so many women who are just like, okay, I don't care about any part of the establishment at all. Like Rose McGowan's like, even with Time's Up, like I'm a little bit over this. And Agnes Varda's like, I don't want an Oscar. Yeah, Agnes Varda, <laughs> who is the 89-year-old nominee of Faces Places, her documentary that is being nominated for Best, Oscar, for Best Documentary Oscar, has kind of come out and just said, whatever, I'm yeah. 89, I don't yeah. give a shit about the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't I, don't, I don't need to. She's like the only <laughs> relevant person still from the French New Wave. Totally. She's like literally one of the pioneers. We've spoken about her on the show a couple of weeks ago. And she has this beautiful quote about her Oscar nomination, which reads, there is nothing to be proud of, but I'm just happy. Happy because we make films to love. We make films so that you love the film. I love my own work and I've done it for so many years. I don't do it for honour or money. And I guess mm. that's sort of why Jack and I are here. Exactly. <laughs> and I just feel like it's only cool if you win an Oscar, if you're like totally an underdog or you're like Big time. a technical person that they cut, like you don't get airtime mm-hmm. and you're like, they just like race through. Yeah. Also, another crazy thing is that she's actually currently the oldest Oscar nominee in history. That's which insane. Is insane. Wow. There was a woman, um, yes. it was yeah. the year that Ellen DeGeneres, mm-hmm. um, yeah. cause I remember there was this hilarious yeah. part in the monologue. What was, can you remember? Yeah. Sorry? So was that, that was Emmanuel River from n- yeah. That, totally, yeah. Um, 89-year-old as well, who Friendship was in an amazing film, um, was also the oldest Oscar nominee. Was that the same year as Quivenzene Wallace? Yes, it was! And it was like oldest and youngest ever. Yeah, no, definitely, yeah. Yes, oh. that's right. That's yeah. Had, yeah, both ages were represented. It was great. That was like, classic. The best actress nominee is pretty much also the only exciting... And hate to do a guilty flashback, but that Oscar actress nomination season was amazing. Yeah. To have Gromazale Wallace and uh, Emmanuel Riva was just oof, 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 so good. What do you think of this year's Oscar? You guys might have talked about this oh on the God, show it's already. It's tight, and I really don't mm. want Frances McDormand to win. Not because she's not an amazing actress, mm. just because she obviously hates the movie that she mm. was in. Like, mm. it's such a basic movie. Never seen a person. And I really want Margot Robbie to win it. Yeah. That she's amazing. Great. Our golden girl. Our golden girl. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And, like, you open the show with uh, Tonya Harding. Maybe she'll um, skate onto stage, pick up her Oscar in her skates. Or... I feel like, I don't know, I feel like we're manifesting. Time has passed. Yeah. Three billboards has kind of settled in its grave. Mm-hmm, Maybe mm-hmm. Margot has a chance. Big is, time. Is it three, three billboards kind of set to take it? Is that I the kind so. of vibe? Or Saoirse Ronan. Or Saoirse Ronan. Lady Bird, which we're reviewing today. I actually really grimly read an article today on Deadline that was about um, people who were projecting what's going to win and three billboards is definitely leading the race, which is super annoying. It's so sad. Yeah, I think we should probably see that. So There's can, always like... these years where like kind of like a forgettable indie just sweeps mm. because all of the like... A, 85-year-old plus white male Oscar voters like mm. don't want to be problematic but also don't want to get behind anything progressive. Mm. So mm. they just kind of vote this middling thing in. Which is why we're adverts for Margot Robbie. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we're um. cheering on uh, Margot, post-Suicide Squad actress extraordinaire. Margot all the way. Mm. Very, very soon. In fact, after this track, we're going to be talking about how Tarantino is in a little bit of hot water at the mm. moment. Mm. After this track from Sydney artist Gussie. You guys are a big fan of this one. Woo! Oh yes, God, bring on uh, Gussie. It's called Mornings. <laughs> it's in the middle of Movies, Movies, Movies yes. on FBI Radio. In the morning, I get up, I move some muscle Getting up is such a struggle We fought all night and I cry, 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 cry on the telephone 
Gussie with Mornings. Hope you're having a good one so far. It's Movies, Movies, Movies with Jack and Andre. We've just heard a whole lot of stuff about the Weinstein Company, the Oscars that are fast approaching, but Quentin Tarantino, what's the deal with that this week? God, QT is not a QT. QT is not a QT. I was reading this thing about like muses this morning with Uma Thurman and mm. like the protection both ways, and I think it's just so complex. But I think the news that's most mm. like intense and like able to be talked about is the Roman Polanski mm-hmm. saga. Do you want to mm-hmm. explain it? Yeah, for those who don't know, Tarantino has been in the news multiple times this week. Recently, he's just decided that he's going to actually cast Roman Polanski in his upcoming Manson movie, which is so frustrating for so many reasons. Backstory, Roman Polanski is uh, totally a convicted uh, sex offender. He's not convicted. He's not convicted? Uh, no. That I has to happen. He has to, he's never come to, like, he ran away. But, but actually, he, I don't know. But what I, like, can you text in if anyone has any opinions on Quentin Tarantino, Roman Polanski, and the fact that there's going to be a Charles Manson movie, good or bad, I don't care. Just, yeah. like, I feel like it is just open, thematically open to conversation. Text 0409 is the number. If you do have an opinion on this one, has this been quite divided with people or... Yeah, it's oh, actually, it's, I mean, like, I think it's, it's, one of the f- it's one of the few cases where I feel like a director has tried to defend both sides, the victims, the artists and everything, but mm-hmm. then come out really flat. Like, I feel like Tarantino has mm. not handled this messy approach that he's had to this period of sex scandals. I know. And like for the people that are ready to turn, like, tear down Greta Gerwig and stick up for Woody Allen, QT doesn't really have that many defenders this time. Mm. Like, yeah. I don't know. Anyway. anyway, let's get away from this topic. And yeah. let's get away from this topic and let's get into Greta. Um, I'm going to be reviewing Lady Bird. Um, so stay tuned for right now. That's hot. 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 
We're really going off with the sticks. We're going off with these. We? <laughs> yeah, we're just really <laughs> smothering us with these uh, little sound bites. <laughs> um, in cinemas, this Thursday is Ladybird, and I guess the message of Ladybird is fuck fake friends. A truly beautiful film by Greta Gerwig about graduating a hypercritical freak. Social like Inertia Ronan plays a young Greta alias who calls herself Ladybird and has visions, not delusions, of grandeur. She can see past her sleepy Northern Californian Sacramento town and so can her mum, which is where the tension kind of starts. Laurie Metcalf p- plays Ladybird's mum, wounded by the fact that Ladybird is just going to up and leave to New York the moment she gets a chance. She also can't quite see into all the intense life lessons that are being thrown at Ladybird that play out kind of like a Kelly Reichardt directed a bunch of high school memes. Everyone said that there is... Like, everyone said everything there is to say about this movie because we got it so late. And I've been reading into my theories on why that was. Um, and my friends and I have all cried watching the trailer of movies for months now. I love, love, love this film. It's so rewarding. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be annoyed that it was overhyped, you'll be pissed off if a straight white dude says cis white feminism because what the fuck. Greta came from Mumblecore and it's all about DIY filmmaking. And this film is cool because I think it really proves that everyone's life, no matter how basic, has moments worthy of cinema and worthy of really great cinema. Also, Timothy Chalamet from everyone's favourite queer text, Call Me By Your Name, plays a total dick. Oh, Jack, I wish I hadn't, I wish I hadn't mentioned that man and that name. I just, uh, he makes me cringe. You're so cringy. I feel like you're in love with him and now you're over Timothy Chalamet. I have a love-hate relationship with Timothy Chalamet <laughs> and that is what polluted my viewing at Lady Bird. I'm just kidding. I loved it as well. <laughs> when is that movie actually in cinemas? When can we check it out? Lady Bird, it's on Thursday. <gasps> yeah. It comes oh, wow. out Thursday and uh, I think everyone should just flock yeah. to it and laugh and cry and just be open to it. Mm. Yeah, but definitely. Talk, talk about advanced screenings literally everywhere for the past like month there's been screenings there's been screenings everywhere. of this film since about like November yeah people on have been like off. able to watch it on and off and it's been crazy why do you think that is? Um, because it's been the, it's the funnest movie to champion because mm. of all the award season buzz it's getting I think it's a great movie and I think people are just so excited to like celebrate something that's gonna happen and come out that's actually great like unlike any other Oscar contender it's like one of the few movies that people are ready to like get cheerleader and jam with yeah and they're just creating hype because it deserves to be hyped yeah it's one of the few movies that you want to watch kind of over and over again mm. that's come out this year as well I think which is really nice I also just want to like check in that our reviews are obviously subjective mm. and open to change but only when the point is like totally gut-wrenchingly true and an oversight, or if it's abstract, or just a cool shade, or mm. we just get over them, or decide that we actually like dismiss something that was It'd be good. so nice to get some other voices into these reviews, so yeah, if anyone so wants to like, contribute, text in. Uh, if you've seen Lady Bird and want to join the conversation, please do. Yeah. But um, We mo- only review two things a week as well, and we usually pick things that we think we're going to like, because mm. it's more fun than just... Going back to Lady Bird, though, um, I liked... Uh, yes, you and I were having a conversation about this yesterday, but I really liked how... Greta Gerwig makes her first her directorial debut and I feel like she brings with it all these like expectations to make a certain type of movie because she's really well known for mumblecore stuff, for underground New York-esque, Lena Dunham sort of indie movies, black and white kind of stuff. But I feel like this movie that she's made is totally the opposite to all that. Yeah. And it's so unique and so completely just rips away all expectations and just like creates this own unique visual thing for herself. Yeah. And it's just totally beautiful. It's like so at one awesome. point she's just with her friend and like there's this one shot where I cry where the mum's trying to write a note and like try to explain that she loves Lady Bird but she just can't bring herself to find the right words and feels like she's going to be judged and I just lost it I don't think I'm ruining anything I don't care Mm. yeah Um, yeah and then as for I mean as for the film itself the mother-daughter relationship in it is just uh, so devastating I mean, uh, as a gay guy, I totally resonated with it on that you know, level. Oh, my God. I was just totally... Oh, my God. I was so with it. Oh, I like it. I was there. You'll scream, you'll laugh, you'll cry. Mm. Um, 
Also this week, this isn't a current film, it's actually mm. an old film, but it's screening at mm. Screen New South Wales at the, at the no, 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 it's screening at the gallery, State Gallery. Yeah, we are super lucky to be able to have a free screening of Looking for Langston, which is a 1989 film by Isaac Julian, and it's playing part as a part of the Maplethorpe exhibition at yep. the New South Wales Art Gallery. I always say that wrong. Is that what it's called? Or is it the Art Gallery of New South Wales? The Art Gallery of New South Wales <laughs> is doing a free screening of this fantastic film from the 80s that I'm going to review in a hot sec. I'm going to review right now. You're going to review? What the? <laughs> okay, you go first, but then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject. Okay. Opening of Looking at Blankston is that no one wishes to be born in opposition of their society or mocked by them. And that is the same from artists from Cape Town to Europe all across the globe. And I'm really misquoting, but it's really beautiful that this... Film is about a really small haven and beauty and peace and love and eroticism during the Harlem Renaissance in the 1920s, where gay black love found a way to manifest. I want to cut in. I want to cut in. I want to go. Ways. Cut in. So, Looking for Langston is a beautiful collage art doco by Isaac Julian, and it explores just the beauty of this period of artistic explosion mm. in uh, the Harlem scene. It's called the, uh, people have been calling it the Harlem Re- Renaissance because in the 1920s, the Harlem neighborhood was kind of compared to Berlin in terms of its like artistic output. It was this burgeoning hub of just artists, writers, practitioners, you know, just uh, complete crazy mavericks. Um, and the film sort of explores that in really special ways. It's this kind of crazy, loosey-goosey, factual fantasia art doc it's got it's poetic it's uh, in beautiful black coal colored monochrome it's totally sublime it's mm. totally sublime it's about uh, the black queer scene in america it's but... from the writings of langston hughes and james baldwin and mm. tony morrison reads out all of james baldwin's bit and it kind of does what cinema does best which is like uh, uncover a dangerous and secret corner of the world and share emotions like love happiness respect really good mm. sex and yeah. obviously it ends in tragedy and i also when you watch it you kind of also realize that when this came out this would have been one of the the first films that depicts uh, sex between uh, black gay men, I think, and for a lot of people would have been the first time they've actually seen that in a way that isn't fetishized or overtly eroticized, even though the film is hella homoerotic. It's just this beautiful, poetic, 45-minute long just opus about... That has, like, influenced everything. Oh, my God, okay. Like, Vogue, uh, My Own Pride of Idaho. Just, like, any black and white video clip that came out in the 90s uh, from, like, a music video director, I want to say, like, Mark Romanek. The Cranberries. They would have all been inspired by this film. It's called mm. Looking for Langston, and it's... Uh, I mean, like, we were lucky enough and to get it. it's free. And it's showing at the State Gallery. If you're a massive nerd, you'll go to the Australian Film Television Radio School and just borrow the DVD, because it comes with a beautiful little booklet. But it's screening at the New South Wales Art Gallery, and uh, it's free this Thursday? Uh, yes, this Thursday. This Thursday, 7.15. And also, Isaac Julian, the director, is going to be there in conversation, talking about the film. Wow. It's yeah. no, You can't find this anywhere else. Seriously. It's not online. It's a, a secret nugget. And, uh, yeah, that's it. We'll chuck a link to this one at fbiradio.com slash programs. Click on mornings. And I feel as if this could be a good one in the lead-up to Mardi Gras as well. It's the 40th anniversary. Mm. We're going to be talking at Mardi Gras Film Festival right after this track from Moaning Lisa. It's Carrie... In the midst of movies, 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 the Jack and Andre. <laughs> I want a Courtney, I want a Florence, I want an Annie. I want a Sid, I want an Ellen, I want an Ellen and a Carrie.
New music from Moaning Lisa right there. That was Carrie. I've got the boys in the studio for movies, movies, movies. It is time for a little something closer to home right here in Sydney. Jack and Andre, you guys are killing it on the stings this morning. We're just morning. getting the stings <laughs> hot and ready. It's that time of the show where we talk about the hottest deals and the what to go to's in Sydney this week. So we just talked about Looking for Langston, which is screening at the New South Wales Art Gallery. We'll put links up to that on the website. But another great little treat that's happening this week. There's so much this week. There's so much. But you go, what's, what's your most exciting thing? I was just going to say that, I mean, uh, my sister Selena Shannon's favourite film is Suspiria, and it's screening this Friday at Golden Age Cinema. Starts. It's a late one, it's 9pm, tickets are $17, and if you want to see a uh, Daria, Dario, Dario, Dario Argento film in a cute little cinema. I wish it was Dario Argento. I know, me too. You just head down to Golden Age Cinema. It's for Suspiria at 9pm. And there's also a crazy deal happening at Palace Cinema Chippendale where to celebrate the lunar eclipse, they're giving out $8 tickets from this Friday till the 26th of February. Every single session is $8. Well, that's so insane. Yep. Um, also, at Down Under Space tomorrow night, There's they're doing this kind of free Valentine's love films from all around the world short film fest which I think would be kind of like the most awkward first date like experience I could ever think of Mm -hmm. so maybe if anyone wants to give it a try and let us know how it goes that would be really funny um the other thing is Mardi Gras Film Festival starts this week, which mm. is what we're here to talk about. And my number one pick that I could not recommend seeing enough off of just seeing the trailer is this kind of punk, actually experimental, lesbian, MIA art-looking chick flick um, that I'm so excited for called um, Team Hurricane. And it's screening on Sunday night. And it just looks like the coolest thing to hit cinemas outside of an installation. Like, it's this wild... It won, like, the, the experimental category at the Venice like critics week and uh, I guess like because we've been talking to the Mardi Gras like um I don't know organizers about what's the most exciting thing to go to because I feel like it's like really hit and miss at film festivals yeah all the time and I feel like just go to this one you will not be disappointed um Andre what else were you going to talk about okay Which I've been you excited I'm about? so I'm just like like literally just dying over the opening night gala film which is <laughs> a queer story about Paul about actor Paul Rudd and actor Steve Coogan taking in a young soul who loves Taco Bell I I mean like I speak for everyone here in saying that Paul Rudd is just a total sex beast and he's a daddy he's a daddy he's <laughs> totally a daddy, daddy. Uh, I'm all about that Steve Coogan's still a daddy but I wouldn't go there but no. they play a couple and the film just follows those are the tribulations of them taking in a young soul. It's the opening night gala film. It's called Ideal Home. Um, and I would assume it's going to be really hard to get tickets to this because uh, it's the opening night film. But it's on Thursday the 15th of February. And to be honest, I've just been waiting for a gay film with Paul Rudd in it my entire life. <laughs> and I just can't wait to be in that in that scenario, in that situation. There's also this really cool local film that's happening. And I really want to get Daniel Monks in for an interview. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it's by filmmaker Daniel Monks. It's called Pulse. And it was written, produced, starred by him. He's local and he... Um, it's a speculative fiction. He's a gay teen- teenager with disability who undergoes body transplant surgery. Um, to become a beautiful woman because he has a crush on this hot guy at school. Wow. Which sounds kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, I don't know, like, I've been sent this thing that's like, it brazenly dares your mind to consider sexuality, disability, and gender in new ways. So mm. I think that's kind of like <clears throat> the thing with the Mardi Gras Film Festival is we haven't been able to watch anything. Mm. Um, but absolutely, my one recommendation to not be gaslit by the media is do not go see Beach Rats. Don't go see Beach Rats? Do not go see Beach Rats. That's so uh, funny. Okay. I saw it in New York. I have it's a story about that. It's one of the that. worst films I have ever seen. It is like totally homophobic. Whoa. And uh, I hate it. <laughs> okay, follow-up story. I was at a party the other night at a very at a very gay production company yeah. and overheard someone walk past walk past me and just shout out to his friend, you have to go see Beach Rats oh at God, the Mighty Graphic Festival. love this film. People love this film. Why the, do they love it? Because it's very beautiful. It has a lot of, like, male beauty and, like, aestheticised kind of, like, obdoc realism. It's, like, very of-the-time filmmaking that you've come to expect from, like, anyone who loves Andrea Arnold. And it's just completely vapid and there's, like, very little dialogue, but not because it's, like, beautiful and requires that, but just because the filmmaker, like, honestly... I don't know. I just feel like this is a film for people to get behind because Mm. it doesn't ask much of you. And it's easy, And it's beautiful. And it's, like, trying to be hard-hitting, but it's not. Damn. Sorry. I just, like, eviscerated that movie, but it's my first true, like, I loathed it. Um, speaking of uh, passionate talks, I just want to ask you real quick, yeah. do you want to make a comment about uh, the upcoming film film celebration that's going to be happening? Oh my goodness! This is uh, something that's really exciting. Jack has just told me about this a couple of days ago, but go for it. So The Set, which is this movie that was made in the 70s in Australia, which was the first film like in Australia to show gay sex, yeah. is coming back. It's called The Set. Yeah. Um, it had people lining up around the block when it came out, mm. but then it's kind of faded into anonymity and SBS has just been talking about it. So yeah. I hope it's going to be available on On Demand. Yeah, I think it is. I think I'm, I'm on the SBS movies website right now and it says that the Australia's first queer movie is set to make a comeback. No. Yeah. I amazing. Think it's, yeah, it's going to be totally amazing and I can't wait for it to come out. And we'll keep you posted. We'll talk links to all of these at fbiradio.com slash programs. Click on mornings and it's going to be there for you in the show notes. I feel like in those four movies alone, you've just given us such a great spectrum of what people can catch at Mardi Gras Film Festival. Mm. There is so much on offer. Don't see Beatrice, apparently. Oh my God. Mm. Like, we'll go see it and text yeah. in because people love it. Andre and Drake, thank you so much for coming in this morning. Bring us <laughs> movies, you. movies, movies for the last half an hour. You will be back again next, next week, same time. Uh, same time next so, yeah. week. We're going to bring it <laughs> with more sound bites. <laughs> more sound bites yeah. ready to go. Sounds good. <laughs> we'll catch you then. Thank you. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.